Hello and welcome to another episode of Asia Abridged, the podcast where we present the best of Asia society programs in 15 minutes or less. I'm Matt Schiavenza. In this episode, we discuss the growing trade conflict between the world's two largest economies, the United States and China. In mid-June, U.S. President Donald Trump ordered tariffs of up to $200 billion on Chinese goods and said that should China retaliate, as they are expected to do, he would push for tariffs worth an additional $200 billion. President Trump and his team are confident that because China exports more goods to the United States than vice versa, Washington is bound to win any trade war between the two countries. But not everyone is so certain. Wendy Cutler is the vice president of the Asia Society Policy Institute and formerly the acting U.S. Deputy Trade Representative during the administration of President Barack Obama. In a conversation recorded at Asia Society late last week in New York, she explained why Americans should not underestimate China's ability to prevail in a trade war. I think they can um, outlast us on this for a number of reasons. I think given the type of government they have, they can mobilize, they can use their press, they can, they can um, you know, make it clear who the enemy is here and you know, get their citizens <clears throat> to, um, you know, to, to live through this, um, to pay higher prices or not get the products they want or even diversify to other sources. Um, and so I you know, put that proposition on the table. I think in the US, and we're already seeing it, and this comes out during all these public <coughs> comment periods, every time we put out one of our tariff lists, um, you know, there's about a two or three month period allowing our companies and other people to come in and to express concerns. Because it's very hard in this interconnected world with all these supply chains to come up with products where you're gonna hurt China and not hurt the United States at the same time, either our companies, our workers, our exporters, et cetera. And so that's a challenge. And I would also add that China and our other trading partners are masters. When they put together a counter-retaliation list, they know exactly how to hurt us. And it's no coincidence that they turn to, um, in this case, they're, they, they're looking at um, U.S. exports from states and districts um, that are really the basis of support for the president or for congressional leadership. Um, and um, I think we're going to, you know, once these, some of these tariffs, our tariffs go into effect and the counter tariffs go into effect, we're going to have a number of companies that are going to be expressing grave concern and um, maybe laying off workers. And frankly, we're, if we get into the numbers that go beyond $50 billion, we're going to get, have to get heavily into the consumer area, which means that our consumers will be paying higher prices um, from everything from autos to, to, um, to clothes to food, et cetera. Also participating in the conversation was Orville Schell, the Arthur Ross Director of Asia Society Center on U.S.-China Relations. He agreed with Cutler and added that Beijing was unlikely to give in to Washington's demands. I mean, I think uh, Wendy's right that China having a very statist uh, system where the government really does control the market uh, to much greater uh, degree than here does have more staying power. I, I worry about something else, though, that, you know, it's, it's easy to, to sort of calculate risk and benefit and say 50 billion here, 100 billion there, and you know, maybe we can weather this or that. But you know, uh, markets are not purely rational. And the psychological impact of these kinds of shocks and instabilities and unpredictable elements 
I think can sometimes have a far greater effect than the actual, you know, tariff, loss of trade, cost to the consumer, et cetera, et cetera. And here I think we do have to pay a little attention to history of why is China doing this? You know, let's forget what we've, what the part that we're playing. Let's just look at the Chinese side. I think here you have to go back and understand the, the extraordinary drive uh, that Xi Jinping, sort of the president, represents to see China written large in the world, to see China restored to greatness. This is, this is the China dream you hear about. And this is a kind of a century and a half long, frustrated and delayed dream that Xi Jinping has encapsulated. Uh, and it is to make China a great power. And I think not, not uh, incidentally, he sees and many Chinese see American, whatever you want to call it, uh, th they would see it probably as decline, as somewhat gratifying, even though it can be frightening too to China, because they're used to always having America there. So there is a very strong sort of psychological urge, and this is playing out not only in the marketplace and the trade battle, which means they are not inclined to yield. They don't have a very highly evolved sense of give a little, get a little, let's work it out. We can, you know, kind of American, the thing that Americans fancy that we're pretty good at. Basically, they see concessions, compromise as weakness. Uh, and weakness that they have had a century and a half, a bitter century and a half of experiencing, and they're not about to manifest it again. Here's Cutler's advice for how the Trump administration should proceed. The first would be to work with our other trading partners who share a lot of these concerns and, provide, and um, um, present a united front to China. Um, I think trying to go unilaterally and to deal with this is very high stakes, and I think China would respond better, and they do not like to be an, an outlier, I think they would respond better to a number of countries coming together um, and expressing similar concerns. Not necessarily ganging up, um, but trying to work with China to open their market. And second, um, my view is that tariff increases are not the way to go. Um, they sound great, um, but um, as we've seen, it's very hard to come up with a list of products um, to, raise US, to raise our tariffs on products which hurt China and don't hurt the United States. And so my view is these tariff increases are going to end up hurting Americans, whether it be consumers or businesses or workers or our overall economy. And second, because we would be violating our WTO obligations, we give the green light to other countries to counter-retaliate. And that's exactly what China is prepared to do dollar for dollar. So in my view, I would recommend let's be smart about what type of actions we tell China that we are prepared to take. And in that regard, I, my view is we should look more at the investment side of this relationship um, because I think that, number one, a lot of those restrictions are not covered by the WTO. But second, it's easier to say to China, we're just doing what you're doing. And when you take away your restrictions, we'll take away our restrictions.
The current controversy over the trade war, Shell said, is evidence that the very nature of the entire U.S.-China relationship has fundamentally changed. It wasn't so many years ago that, by and large, businesses were saying, well, listen, just keep things calm and cool and, you know, let us do business and, you know, we need better relations. And in, in many ways, you could say that business was the heart and soul of the whole notion of engagement. And that, I think, is beginning to change in some very tectonic and significant ways. Thanks for listening to Asia Abridged. If you'd like to hear more, you can visit our show page at asiasociety.org slash podcast. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Asia Society. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.